Hi, Dad. How is work? What work? I'm unemployed. Where the f are you been, huh? Well, you look nice, Mallory. Yuck, you look like... <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Well, I'm gonna go now. I'll be back at midnight, okay? What are you wearing, a broomstick and a trash bag? Why don't you put some meat on you, huh? A few pounds lighter, you'll be missing the opium. What the hell do you think you're growing, huh? I'm going to the John Lee Hooker concert with Donna. I told you that yesterday. First off, you don't tell me anything. You ask my permission. Second, you're not going out in that hoover house dress. You'll end up peddling your ass, you stupid bitch. And third, you're not going out at all. You didn't mow the yard. That piece of shit lawnmower is fine! Are you talking in front of your mother? You stupid bitch. You watch your language. Or I'll kick the shit out of you, like I do her. So if your ass is in this house, it's my ass. So you move it upstairs and take a shower. And you make sure it's a good shower. Cause I'm coming up after to see how clean you are. show sucks welcome to the cinema nine podcast i'm michael govier it's travis it's eric today it's cinema nine doing natural born killers a film directed by oliver stone starring some people we'll talk about that it's a big deal because it's episode 161 five star views subscribe to youtube we do post the videos of the show we just don't do it live anymore but you can catch the whole video on the youtube channel anytime you want like this one right now if you're watching it uh it's some future time it's kind of weird, right? Because we're here now. Okay. Strange. Fabulous. That's how it works. Recording things. Edison was amazed. Edison. Yeah. You know, did Edison get to see live pictures? Moving sure. pictures? Yeah. W.K. Dixon. His Didn't he invented it? Edison invented everything, right? Well, he, he started the kinetoscope, and then W.K. Laurie Dixon came along after and kind of fixed it. But the Lumiere brothers and uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the Lumiere the brothers. French, French dude. There's the other French dude. Who, uh, oh, shit. I'm blanking on his name. There's like at least three. It was like independently created by like three different groups of people. I don't believe it. Nothing happens outside of America. This is where everything <laughs> happens on the Cinema Night Podcast. Uh, Eric, Griffith, Indiana. What's going on over there? You're uh, really growing out the hair right now. You're looking like a mountain man. 
I don't have much to say. All, all, all I want to inform you, gentlemen, about is the fact that this is by far the most amount of notes I've ever taken in our 161 episodes. So this should be wow. something. That's intriguing. <laughs> okay. That's very cool. Uh, Travis, we're in June now. Are you still teaching all summer? Uh, yeah, I'm still teaching for the time being. Uh, Going to have the finals pretty soon, though, so it's almost over. Light at the end of the tunnel is visible. Yay! Well, you know, guys, we got an email from the arguably the biggest fan of the Cinema Night podcast now. His name's Dave Horning. <laughs> and he said, so great to have Bansom back. QVP as well. Quarantine QVP? Quarantine He also attached a screenshot of this screenshot uh, from a tweet by Daniel M. Lavery, and it's about David Lynch. Uh, so I'll share that here. You guys could tell me what you make of this because, you know, I don't know who Daniel M. Lavery is. Do you guys know who that is? Nope. Yeah, no clue. So it says... I don't think David Lynch could have had the kind of career he's had without a full head of hair. That's not to lay all the credit for his work on it, but his fundamental relationship to the world is an old man with young hair, I think. And then this guy will reply, a bald guy who made blue velvet would be in prison. <laughs> okay. Thanks, uh, Dave. Potentially. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> we yeah, shared the meme with our audience. I never saw blue velvet. I've not seen that one. Perhaps Blue Ribbon. Actually, I've seen Blue Velvet in a movie, though. Do you guys know what movie that would be, possibly? Does that ring a bell to anyone? They go out for a date, or like they go see a movie in a movie, and they watch Blue Velvet. So I've only seen that one scene where there's, I think it's Isabella Rossellini naked, like with a scratched breast. It's very strange. That's all I know. That sounds familiar. You're going to have to tell us. That would be the squid and the whale where his pompous ass dad takes his teenage son and her date to go see Blue Velvet. Right. So. That's right. <laughs> Classic. I hear Blue Velvet's very dense. Anyways, <laughs> that's the only reason I know Blue Velvet. But uh, let's talk so, a little bit of quarantine viewing picks here. Travis, do you have a world of film knowledge to share with us this week? Or is it a, something beyond what we could even imagine? <laughs> I don't know if it's all that. I, I watched one movie, and we've talked about it on two different episodes already. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But I watched um, A Man Called Otto. You know, Christian was on the oh, show. Our friend, yeah, our friend Christian was on the show and didn't have nice things to say about it. He didn't care for it. Uh, you liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, was yeah, it? Yeah, I liked it. Was liked it, it a, a kind of – you liked it too? Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a little – I did say trigger thing. warning. Sure. Yep, you did. Um, I mean – Am I, yeah, is this kind of like St. Vincent and mm. Gran Torino and all that stuff? Okay, sure, yep. But there's only so many ways to make a movie. I found it powerful. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was honest. I thought it was, I really enjoyed it. I think it was one of the better things. Well, you know, actually, there's been a few good things from, from Hanks in recent years. I like that fence pretty well, too. But uh, yeah, good, good film. I liked it. I liked, uh, I liked The Greyhound. That was a movie that just kind of came and went, but he played a. Yeah, captain of a boat hmm. um not captain oh. phillips which was 10 years ago so it's like the how-to manual on to be a submarine <laughs> <person. laughs> you know, on. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, i like curmudgeon hanks eric did you like curmudgeon hanks no um like i was really worried because i'm like tom hanks as a grumpy guy <laughs> this is not gonna play this is not gonna was miscasting 
but it won me over, man. It was sappy, but it just it, it worked for me, man. I was knowingly crying. I was like, you got me. You motherfuckers, you got me. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> same. I wept. I'll make that three. Yeah, it, it happened. I guess Christian's just a stone-cold sure. bastard. So. Well, no, he watched it on a plane. That's the that's the real problem. Like, that's you think not that impacted him? I do. I, I think hmm. it did. Oh, because he couldn't, like, really get into it, maybe let himself, you know, sob a little bit. And you're already irritated because you're all squished up and, like, yeah. in this little fucking box they've wedged <laughs> you into that you paid a lot of money for. <laughs> yeah, but it sure beats a 20-hour car ride. <laughs> or does it? Car I don't know. I kind of like a... I've often want. You know, I, I like a good road trip. I do. I do, too. I love it. And this right. is a road trip movie we're going to be discussing here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. At least half of it. The first half. It, does, it should be in that genre. I would classify it within the genre if someone asked me. And I'm saying yes. All right. I got Mike's approval. What are we doing next? <laughs> Anything else? Just that one? That's all I watched. That's all, folks. All right. Eric, what about you, buddy? Yeah, The Client. I went back to 1994's The Client. Solid. Solid. I haven't seen it since the theaters. I'm like, I saw Tommy Lee Jones' face. I'm like, hit play immediately. I liked, yeah, I liked the film. Surrounded? I, I liked the... I like the movie, but like, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm like, man, I really got to say like Susan Sarandon's like good in this and she's good in that. I never really cared for this actress. You guys like Susan Sarandon? I mean, we talked I about it. So we did Bull Durham. Durham. So I much. think we all kind of but like, I, I just don't know. I can't put my finger <laughs> on it. All kind about of it. I just, just don't care for her. I liked her in Dead Man Walking. But um, there's something very, I don't know. I think she has her mm. moments. I do think she has her moments, but there's something, you know what? I, I don't I, know. I, what is this quality? Yeah, I, I don't know. Can't put my finger on it. I, don't, I can't put my finger on it either without sounding like a complete sexist, <laughs> probably. So I'm going to just stop talking. I lament the passing of Brad Redfall. He was fucking great in his uh, introductory role in this film. And he went on to do fun things. I liked him in Ghost World and At Pupil. Uh, sad loss, man. Drugs are fucking terrible. Um, yeah. But I got greedy. Don't I was like, bad. I want more Grisham. Okay. What else we got here? So I watched the so I watched the Chamber oh, with Gene Hackman and Chris O'Donnell. It's fucking ter terrible. It's horrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Is, it, is that great benefit? No, no, no. That's a rainmaker. That's a rainmaker. Yep. Ah, yep. Oh, yep. it's awful. Okay. Chris O'Donnell can't act. Like I don't know what Martin Bress did on the set of Son of a Woman to get a performance out of him, but like he's so bad in it, it's laughable. <laughs> like I would have yelled "cut" every five seconds on this set. Uh, terrible film. Um, yeah, Sybil. <laughs> I watched Sybil like uh, from nineteen seventy six. Oh, yeah? I I'd never seen the film. You know, I've been talking about it, but I'd never. Who have you? Who have you, have you seen the movie? I saw it in like a class uh, for some reason. Yeah, I think, I yeah. Three-hour made-for-TV movie. <sighs> it's one of these movies. Like I'm watching Sally Field do her thing, and like sometimes I'm like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" She had to get the Emmy. Then other times I'm like, "This is so bad!" Like she had to have gotten like ridiculed <laughs> from you know. You, you see these performances, they're like they they toe this fine line between like. It's so over the top that it's like, is is this is this bad or is this really good? We're probably gonna see a, talk about a few tonight with the Natural Born Killers, but I don't know, man. Like, uh, kind of interesting, but kind of outward. It's welcome. I don't know if this needed to be three hours. It gets a little bit exhausting, uh, but but interesting, interesting. 
I haven't seen it. I take it back. I was thinking oh, of yeah, the Miracle fantastic. Worker. It's a completely different film. Yeah, so good. <laughs> uh, and then, dude, I'd never seen this film from 1980. When was this? 1990? I don't know. Ivan Reitman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they, they te- re-team after Twins for Kindergarten Cop. And I, I just, I, I missed it. All these years, I'd never seen it. Really? Uh, I You're never saw it shitting me. Yeah, what? I know all the jokes about it. No, what I never fuck? watched it, but I've. Are you serious? I've done yeah. the audio clips where he's yeah, who's been. Your daddy? Ripped what does he do? Yeah. Tumor, tumor, like all this shit I knew about, but like I yeah. never actually sat down and watched it. Well, they yeah. ask you a bunch of questions. Not, not so tough without your car, are you, bitch? Yeah. You say you've seen this many times, <laughs> Travis? Dude, because I saw it when it was brand new. It's and I had a fucking copy in my terrible. House, so, yeah, I was like, I was eight. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> It's so bad. Like the direction is is piss poor. Like their shots were like, I'm like, what the fuck is Ivan Reitman doing here? All the characters are dumb. It's like the dumbest villain I've ever seen in a movie. This douchebag with like his ponytail and like his mom like like trying to like get him to like take more like pharmaceutical. I don't know what the fuck this subplot is. Like the plot is fucking dumb. The, the romantic interest is terrible. It's not funny. There's not much action in it. Like, it's like a kid's movie, and then, like, the first, like, ten minutes, like, he's blowing people away with, like, full body count, gratuitous, Verhoeven <laughs> blood squibs. And then it's, like, this cute, cuddly family movie. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Wow. It was the 80s. I didn't like it. It's a different time. Yeah. 1990, but, yeah, it's the 80s still. Yeah, it, right. it, was, it was in the 80s, you know. I want in the eighties. I want to see that Netflix documentary <sighs> just released yesterday. It always looks so shitty to me. Yeah, I heard the first episode sucks, but after that it'll get better. But um, yeah, Kindergarten Cop always seemed like this is stupid, Arnold. It's not the Arnold I want. I want like uh, hardcore Arnold to the max. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm funny. wrong. I mean, like he can be really funny. Well, maybe I need to find out. Twins, but like the script was not. Of course, funny. he is stupid. I don't know. <laughs> That's it for me. I love it when you. I love when you get pissed about a movie. Well, it's you, always fun. You're convinced your whole life that like this is a classic, a movie. and then you go back and you're like, "What is everyone talking about? This is fucking retarded." A classic. I don't know if anybody ever said that that movie Come was a on. classic. Now let's no, let's no. pump the brakes a little bit. It was no, a it's movie. Just, it's just one a lot of yeah, people saw. True. Right. Box yeah. office success people versus it, a classic. I, I right. think is different. That's it, though, man. Stay away. They saw it. <laughs> I'm actually really intrigued now. I feel watch like I might have to watch it just so I can form a final opinion here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I watched something. I definitely watched this movie I've, that we're about to talk about, Natural Born Killers, which I'd never seen before. This is uh, pretty wild for me because, you know, I love I like Oliver Stone. I always have. So I'll talk about that as well. Um, did I watch something? And if I did, do I want to mention it? Now, I'm really kind of gun-shy after the traffic thing, so I don't know if I want to make a mistake again. Don't want to make a mistake. I got nothing. Nope, nothing. Uh, Wait, what happened last night? Where are we? What year is it? Oh, I did watch Clerks 3 again. I really like watching that movie. I've been watching that movie. I've watched that movie like 50 times over the last six months since I finally saw it. It's like my bedtime movie. I just put it on every night. If I'm alone, I'm not with Leanne uh, when I'm on the road or whatever. I'm just watching that movie in bed like it's 2008 and I've watched a strange wilderness. It's very strange, but uh, it's a comforting film. You know, it's, it's not the greatest film. I, I think I still think Clerks 2 is better, Great but I definitely lullaby. enjoy Clerks Christ 3. Dies, so. Then he dies. Awesome. <laughs> yes, sir. About life. About life. People die. What do you want? Yeah. If someone's going to die someday. Someone just died right now, probably somewhere. Yeah, I bet. And we're going right. to miss them. 
Fairly well. Fairly well. All right. Well, let's get into it. Then it's time to focus on Natural Born Killers, Eric's selection for this week. The movie's from 1994. Now, directed by Oliver Stone, who, uh, you know, has directed a lot of movies over the years. Wall Street and Platoon and JFK, yada, yada, yada. So he's coming off JFK for this one. But this is a... This is what I thought. I think maybe I did know this and I forgot it because I always locked in on the true romance part. But this is a Quentin Tarantino story, right? Story, yeah. Not so the what's, script. They took what, this. They took his script and then gave him story credit and then did whatever the fuck they wanted. <laughs> so who else knows more about this? Because I want to hear about it. Well, yeah, I, I figure I Eric we, was to have a bunch of information about this. Yes, I assume you mean research. Travis. Stop talking, Eric. No, tell no. us what you thought. No, I mean what. What else is there? Because it's his script. He, he sold it to him? Yeah. He and then he was like, ah, was I didn't first, like it? Uh, he wrote uh, True Romance. Then he wrote this. But, like, he became disinterested in directing it. So he basically sold it with no intentions of making it. So Oliver Stone and, and company kind of had free reign to do with it what they wanted to. It wasn't a collaborative process. So he took the elements. Stone took the elements that he liked from it and then took a, a, two other guys to craft a screenplay uh, like revised at an existing screenplay into one of his own liking with other other things to to his taste. Okay, so didn't think anything would happen with it, and mm-hmm. then it becomes a movie. Okay, so all right, so it's off. Uh, yeah, off JFK. It's his well, follow up to JFK, right? Because that was ninety one. Yeah. Ah, that's another one I didn't see. I, I guess I missed this stone period here. I just fast forwarded to U turn and thought I'd get. <laughs> Really, really Makes awful sense. with things. So, uh, <laughs> oh, God damn it! Yeah, I've I've never seen even Nixon. in your box wow. set. I really like you did say miss Nineties Stone box set. You haven't watched I, any of them. <laughs> I really did. I I had a bad habit of just putting on like sometimes it's like a commitment. It's like if I gotta watch a new movie, then I can't. I gotta focus on <laughs> okay. it. It's I don't know. Sometimes I just want a movie to be on, so I just watch the same any given sure. Sunday Wall Street over and over again. I gotta stop doing that, but. Anyways, I don't put DVDs in a DVD player anymore either. This is a long time ago. But, uh, all right, so first-time viewings. Travis, do you remember the first time you saw this crazy... Oh, wait, you got Crisis? Well, I'll go to Eric first. Eric, how about you fill us in on your first viewing? I heard the hype. you got one. But it was yeah, right I heard on the, the border. In 94, um, I didn't know what the fuck Oliver Stone's films were. I didn't ever seen any of these. I was just interested in, like, uh, Quentin Tarantino because uh, he was hot. And I knew he had a story credit, so I went to the uh, Blockbuster Video. No, 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 no. I went to uh, the Meyer Video Store, of course, and rented this. And uh, huh. I sat through it, but I was—I fu- I still remember being irritated as fuck. It's exhausting and irritating. That's all I remember about the movie. Exhausting, long, and fucking irritating. And I haven't seen it since. Yeah, uh, I could see that. I... I never saw it. I remember mm-hmm. all the hype around it, and I saw a lot of the, I saw a lot of clips, and I remember discussions about it. And I feel like, in a way, I kind of saw it, but I did not ever sit down to watch this yeah. film. And I'm not sure why that is. I was thinking about this. Why do? Do you ever think about why you actually sit down and well, watch a movie? Do you have a, Michael, a reason I mean, always, like, or is there sometimes when, just like when we start ah. talking about the critics, you're, we're going to find that a lot of them were because the controversy about the violence in this film was a talking point for so many of the critics and then it turns out a lot of them came out and were like yeah i never actually really saw it like i was just <laughs> just talking about it as a you know a, a talking point for violence in film so a lot of people think they kind of saw it and kind of get the gist of it just based around the, the controversy and the word of mouth but i mean who knows 
it's classic, right, Travis? I mean, that it just happens all the time with critics. I bet more than we even know. But uh, what about your first viewing? So I have a memory, and maybe I'm confused because I, I think I said the same exact story when we did Twelve Monkeys together. But I feel like you saw this in theaters and told me not to watch it. My dogs think someone's at my house, and there's no one here. Scruffy no agrees. They're just freaking out. There's nothing going on. <laughs> I would never tell anyone to watch this as um, a 15-year-old kid. Hated it. Oh. Yeah, I think you hated it. And I think you told me to hate it, <laughs> that you hated it. Oh, so I didn't watch it. And I didn't watch it for a long time because you oh, said shit. it was bad. And then I did watch it. Well, like a long time in, in that era, you know. So I watched it like maybe a, like a few months later or something. And I and I loved it. Uh, I I I went nuts with it and watched it repeatedly over mm. and over again and owned it and all that kind of stuff. And I but then I have not seen it for a long time. But I tell you easily, you guys know how I feel about <laughs> Oliver Stone. I think he's a turd. And uh, this is your opinion I've, now. This has been my opinion. I've not I've not been a fan of his films for most of my life. I thought Platoon was okay, uh, and I liked this quite a bit. I mean, I'd say I loved this for a while, but most of his other. But yeah, this is. This is pretty much it for me and him. <laughs> That's funny, man, because to me, this is like the most Oliver Stoney Stone movie there ever was, man. So many of his fucking Oliver Stone avant-garde wannabe quick clip weirdo shit at an all-time high. I mean, this blows JFK out of the water, blows everything else out of the water, man. This is absolutely the high water mark. Right. That's what I don't like. I, I am a, I've enjoyed Oliver Stone's work of years, but I loathe that shit. I just loathe it i think it worked for this story yeah and i think that he does it most of the time when it makes no fucking sense at all and it doesn't always make sense here there's literally a moment in this movie where the word ants gets said <laughs> so we see ants on screen it's like dude we know what ants are <laughs> thank you the editor is oh, on dude. like like two hours that of sleep you seriously want me to put this fucking clip of the ants in i want to go to bed <laughs> Totally oh, doing do the now. video for digging in the dirt, but I guess we can see what else we can come up with. This could have been the height of uh, Oliver Stone's cocaine paranoia, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, I do know that even in a football movie like Any Given Sunday, five years after Natural Born Killers was made, he still put weirdo clips in a football movie of like ghosts in the stands <laughs> and shit. So he just, I mean, like it just yeah, never I think I like that one too. Actually, so it's been a while, <laughs> yeah, but it's not bad. Maybe, maybe I like more of his stuff than I realize. All right, so uh, the I had to be rating for this one, boys. I can't wait to guess because I really clue, and I want to try to get it right. I'm going to say seven one. Six eight. I'm going to say this cracks seven for sure, and it might be more well respected, even if. Yeah, I would say it's a seven five. I'm going to go seven five. It is seven two. Very good. Wow. Seven point one. Nice shot. They call seven. Me. That's what, that's what they call them. 242,000 reviews. That's a solid number. That means a lot of people have at least checked it out. Oh, and popularity is waning as of right now on IMDb, down 207 mm. spots for Natural Born Killers. I don't know why. Yeah. How about this, though? So as Eric alluded to, a lot of critics admitted later that they didn't actually <laughs> see the movie. They just joined the, the bandwagon of the violence oh critique. God. And it's a 48%, 48% for the critics. This is a... It's one of the bigger splats we've had on the show, I think, lately that I can remember. I don't but, remember this being a bomb. I thought people liked it, but then again, I was well, that's, fucking 14, 15 years old. 
That's what's crazy. The audience gives it an 81%. Yeah. So this is a huge yeah. divide. Well, Ebert loved it. I just watched the review earlier. Also, I've been on that kick like you did. I, I Hours and hours of Cisco and Ebert the past week, Michael. It's fantastic. <laughs> I guess I'll have to do it next. Uh, there's one. Um, I actually queued up. I didn't have time to watch today. I just saw it. And I, I saved it so I could watch it later. They review Hard 8. I'm like, oh, they, I got to see this They reviewed this, this and then they immediately went into Blank Man review. They both liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Blank yeah. Man, they like Blank Man. I, I love Blank Man. That's funny. Underrated. It was good, at least a long time ago. Uh, critical review. Well, I don't know if we could believe these or not, but we'll read them anyways. Uh, no, no. Like, oh, Ken Hankey mm-hmm. from the Mountain Express in Asheville, North Carolina. Flashy, loathsome, and utterly empty. <laughs> splat. It's a splat for Frank. For Ken Hankey, okay. it's a splat, guys. Sorry. Mr. Hanky uh, didn't like it. Hanky, no Hanky. good for Hanky. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone, said, This is one of my all time favorite movies. And it put Oliver Stone on my list of best directors <gasps> ever, right along with Stanley Kubrick. Woo! Peter wow. Travers said that? Holy he shit. He absolutely did in May of 2001. He didn't see the film. <laughs> That's how you I, can I conclude, to. huh? He's gonna, he's gonna right. make a, a legendary. Nope. He's gonna make such a bold statement like that, and they didn't see it. That'd be perfect, actually. Hey, Destin no Thompson. Shit. All right, uh, this is another early Destin Thompson, like not late nineties, or because this is was that last week we had him for that, or two weeks ago. So, so this, I don't know, my life's. A we've blur. been doing well. What we did, yeah, the player. So. Mm. Welcome to Natural Born Killers, Stone's empty manic meditation on society's glorification of violence and the ugly heroes it loves to hate. That's, yeah, okay. You didn't like it. Uh, Eves, Roger Eber said, seeing this movie once, not enough. Oh, boy. The first time is for the visceral experience. The second time is for the meaning. So you got to watch this movie twice, apparently. Wow, okay. Hmm. Anybody else feel they had to watch it again after they finished? Hell no. Yeah, I definitely watched it over the and over again. The hits you over the head. Kid. We get it. <laughs> uh, media causes violence in some cases. Like what do we? Well, TV, right? It's, I mean, it's so like all about TV. How many old timey '50s, '60s TV clips are just thrown into this film? 50? There's a there's a moment in the film where Woody's looking at the TV, going stupid fucking movies, and it's a. Oliver Stone picture, the Starfleet <laughs> wrote right. the screenplay for. Yeah, it. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm glad you that, glad you remember that because I wanted to mention that. Well done. Um, Taking himself, maybe. <laughs> obviously. Well, that made me think when I saw that part in the movie, Travis. It made me think that you know uh, Quentin Tarantino had the story here that Oliver Stone directed, but with Scarface, it was a Oliver Stone story that Brian De Palma directed. Right. I just thought that was an interesting uh, interweaving of Hollywood people, but. Yeah. This is all about, to me, yeah, it's about television. And I have to admit, I I actually felt this towards the end there when they show the actual clips of real things that were going on with the Menendez brothers, (laughs) the Waco tragedy. I was like, Mm -hmm. what? And you're just like flipping through the channels. Like, those are real, especially the Waco one. It's like, that's real violence. That's real murder. It's like, this is, it's a little bit more on the nose than maybe I thought, maybe not in the way I would have done it, but it did hit me a bit like, yeah, you could be flipping through and this would just be another thing you'd fucking hear about in 1994. <laughs> That's right, That's right Scruffy. You said it here. 
Yeah, man. Um, I hear that for sure. You get these like MTV news, like John Norris clips from these people <laughs> that are talking about how cool Mickey and Mallory are. Like, no Kurt Loader in this movie. Yeah, no Can you believe it? Sword? Like, would kids think that Mickey and Mallory are cool? I mean, it just te- seems too fictitious for me. That's like, just seems too unbelievable for like people, like the public to. I get it, like in the 30s with Bonnie and Clyde, something like that, because it never been seen before publicized. But like in the early 90s, people would still think these people are fucking assholes. Am I wrong? I mean, he did. He this movie comes out in between the white Bronco chase and the actual trial, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, that's the point that he's making is that maybe not everyone feels that way, but enough of a subset of America does that maybe, you know, serial killers aren't on the cover, aren't on the cover of Life magazine, but they're pretty dang close. And I think that's what he's trying to say, you know. And also Jared Harris clearly is a fan of Mickey and Mallory. You see, because that a young Jared Harris is the London okay. guy with the long hair. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know his name. I, I was like, oh, it's that guy. I've seen him everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Jared Harris. Very okay. young. Yeah. I've, I've noticed him and I noticed the uh, the fatter guy who plays one of the guards of the prison sure. later in the movie who's yelling at Tommy Lee. That guy who's been around. Yeah. I don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, the, the fish boots from yes! Suicide King. Yes! Fish boots. boots. He got fish boots. It was fucking fish boots. He was also in the animal and he's Sopranos. an animal. That's right. he was. Uh, he was uh, big pussies. Big pussies. Uh, FBI contact. In <laughs> That's Sopranos. right. I love that guy. He had a great <laughs> run. Where'd he go? Yeah, where you been? Fish boots. Yeah, fish boots. Come back. I liked you. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Look. <sighs> Never seen this before, so it's a brand new watch mm-hmm. for me. I was really drawn in op- the op- the opening scene, how it all kicks off and stuff. I was in. I was like, oh wow, they really got me wow. sucked in. And you know, uh, you got the guy from <laughs> the guy from Varsity Blues, mm-hmm. one of the dads, jumping in doing his stupid fucking thing. And then Lou Brown <laughs> from Major League, who plays the manager of Cleveland, coming in. I can't see him in any other role, but there he was. He gets uh, gutted out by <laughs> by Woody. But he does. And then like, uh, but then like a half hour, forty minutes in, I'm just That's like, it. That's exactly it. Like I remember, like for some reason, I thought this movie was like two and two hours and like forty five minutes long, and like it's under two hours. I, it's because it's so <laughs> fucking exhausting. Like in the first two minutes, like you get like a thousand clips. Like in the first two two minutes, and like it starts doing its black and white thing, and it starts doing this, and it's got Dutch angles that would make Terry Gilliam blush. It's so much. So after a while, like in a very short time, I'm like, fuck me, man. Like, I don't know. It seems like the audience would either have a very clear viewpoint of whether they're in or they're out. They can't do this. And I guess that's a favor to the audience, because if they think they couldn't handle it, they could just get up and leave. But yeah, maybe Hmm. it could be eased into a little bit, but it's just not that kind of movie. This movie's coming at you full fucking bore. We're going to kill a real scorpion. We're going to have... blood reds uh you know gel over the fucking camera or whatever's going on there right at the get-go and just let you know that this is this is going to be a carnival ride this is going to be this is going to be wacky and you know prepare yourself violent and wacky and all over the fucking place oh okay couple things first off there's music under this movie almost the whole time i think like the first time i didn't notice any music is when like first time you see wayne gale played by robert downey jr when they're in the news office like looking at (laughs) clips there's no music under there i'm like oh my god there's no music underneath this right now which (laughs) was blowing my mind a lot of good music though i will say cohen 
starts with yeah. Cohen. It's it fantastic. does start with mm-hmm. Cohen. Yeah, you got then you got the Mazzy Star, which is mm. a classic. So there's a lot of good music. I got no beef with the music. But then you talk wacky, Travis. Holy shit! I I, I would have wished maybe more of the movie had just been that sitcom with Roddy Dangerfield. I was laughing my <laughs> no, ass off. I was laughing at this movie in that that whole setting. It was fucked oh. up, but I was like. Maybe I was laughing because I was uncomfortable. I don't even know. But it was wild, and it was off the hook. It was funny, but it it was just really honest, too. Maybe that's why I thought it was funny, because, like, wow, that is just frighteningly accurate, and it's fucked up all at once. That scene hit really hard for me, Mm. and very differently than when I was a kid. Like, when when I was a kid, I was like, you know, I mean... I thought I was grossed out by Rodney Dangerfield, and I recognized everything that was going on. But I didn't, you know... I was like, oh, that's fuck up. That's fucked up, and I just kind of moved on past it. Like it's all just, it's all in fun, you know. And watching it now, I'm just like, Jesus! Like I could, I had to like stop the movie and, and like take a little break actually, because it was just like, this is, I mean, the 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 way that they all talk as a family and just how casual they are about the abuse, and that's really what this. So this movie is not just about television. It's that combined with perpetual fucking familial ab- abuse and how that trauma shapes monsters. If you if you abuse your child and the child and leave the child to be raised by the television, this is what you're gonna get. Yeah, they both came from the abusive by the way, Dangerfield was really good. I gotta give him a lot of credit. I was Oh my God. It's the best performance he's ever did. I yeah, I agree. I complete I wrote it down. I was like this is incredible. Well done, Dangerfield. But you have that abuse by him done to Mallory and then we find out later in the movie that uh, Mickey's dad blew his fucking head off right in front of him so yeah you got this really traumatic abusive fucked up childhoods coming from both angles and not everybody ends up that way but it you know doesn't help right it can't help I mean I I like the fact that Oliver Stone is showing me something to really challenge me as a viewer with this sitcom scene It's, it's different but I'm sitting here watching it yesterday and I'm like well what am I supposed to be feeling here? Like, am I supposed to be laughing like Mike was? Or am I, like, thinking this is so obscene that, like, I fucking hate the movie now and want to turn it off? Like, what's the goal here? You know why it was funny to me? I realize this now as I'm fleshing it out is that it was just such a send-up of sitcoms, you know? And, like, and America's just, we're just shoving shit down our mouths and watching this stuff. <laughs> and it's just an exploitation of that. It, I wish, I wish that I could have seen this I would have actually preferred to have been older, but at least seen it in a time when the sitcom was really dominant. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have that now. All I have is the post, everybody thinks sitcoms are a joke now, essentially, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, anybody under, I don't know, 45, I guess, thinks that. But that's kind of what it is for me. I, I you, know, you know, you know me, I've been rewatching a lot of old sitcoms for a long time. And oh. it's not uncommon for, I mean, not, this is no newsflash, but... That's sometimes there are some sitcoms, Golden Girls, that handle sensitive issues pretty well. And then there's other sitcoms that try to touch on major issues. And it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's it's just a couple shades away from what we're given. And that's in natural mm-hmm. born killers. Yeah, it really is. You got Edie McClure. <laughs> so I, it was cool to see her there. I just feel bad that uh, she, she had to go worse. out like, yeah, she yeah. gets it worse than like, I mean, She's complicit, but she's also yeah. being abused, maybe. Maybe if they'd had a conversation, Mallory and her mother, about, you know, hey, we're both being abused by the same asshole. We should do something about it. Things would have worked out differently, but it's not, you know, it's easier to say that now, I guess. Yeah. So Woody comes in, or hit the, I guess the character Mickey comes in as like a, you know, he's a heroic figure. And 
it, he's a difficult protagonist, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, we see that he's a he's a rapist, he's a kidnapper, he's he like they 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 give us those two cowboys at the beginning and so, and have a, you know they get killed and like oh okay so they're bad people, but they also kill Mabel. They kill people that are totally yes! fine, you know. They keep the fat cowboy guy, which makes that face, which I laughed out loud at. They showed up close to the uh, like this for uh, just for no reason, just to show he's scared. And I, I, I almost coughed on my water. It was so stupid because it was just a, there's so many dumb little moments like that in this movie. And this movie's just the master. This is sensory overload. The film it mm, absolutely yeah. is because yeah, yeah, you're right. He does. There's kidnappings and rapes there, but I, I, like I couldn't even absorb all that. I'm like, oh, you're right, Travis. That is a fact that happened in this film, but. Yeah. It gets glossed over like a lot of shit gets glossed over in real life and maybe even on the news once upon a time or even It doesn't today. really give you a chance to slow down and kind of ponder or resonate with any of the no. scenes because it's just a freight train, like you say, Travis. So, yeah, I mean, I personally could have used a couple of moments to kind of calm things down and get into the characters a little bit more because it's so frantic that I really didn't end up caring about Mickey or Mallory like at all. I was just kind of watching it to see like people get blown away, which isn't really a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I had no well, interest in them I, at all. I had none. I haven't, I haven't read the original script, but I don't know that we're like we're not supposed to. The movie originally ended with that character Owen leading them out of the prison and then mutilating them and killing them and being a sicker monster than them. That's what I and, thought was going to happen when, I, as a first time viewer, I'm like, oh, these guys—they don't see it coming. I can't believe it. It would have been a much more satisfying ending. Instead, he just vanishes. Um, so, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I think I think it would have, I don't think we're supposed to love these characters too I mean, much. I think we're supposed to kind of hate them. I'm cool with that. I'm like, this is kind of what we touched on last week with the player. Like, I'm fine with not liking a yeah. character, but like, when the character isn't interesting to me, that's when I have a problem. And that might be with the, the yeah. way that they took this script so and not- rewrote it. It's not liking them. It's that you're Engage, not even I'm interested not in them. I'm saying? like, whatever. Right? No, what's, yeah, I agree with here? that. That's what it was. Yeah, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what these people are doing. Like, it's I, obviously they're they're demented and corrupt, and it's you know some of it's not their fault, but their actions now are their fault. But other than that, you're right. I I did. That's why I said oh, I made this face right around the time where they mm-hmm. accidentally, when Mickey kills the Native American, accidentally with the whole rattlesnake scene. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was barely paying attention to that point. I got to be honest. I'm like, oh, what? Ha- oh, really? oh shit, he shot him. Uh, what happened? Uh, I don't even know what happened. And then I re-engage when they go over to the pharmacy because they've been bitten by the snakes and the demon and blah blah blah. And it's all very subtle, very subtle, isn't it? <laughs> I actually, I actually really, really love that scene with the uh, that with, with the, the you know, I mean, not the story that's being told. Like the that the that the American Indian is telling. I'm a snake, the, you the, bitch. <laughs> right, not that part necessarily, but the way that he frees his pet snake, he like t- tells his son to go be a man. Like he he saw this all coming, and uh, and and they, you know, all right. So there's this weird thing going on with with rattlesnakes throughout the film, scorpions throughout the film. I think rattlesnakes are supposed to be uh, more uh, Mickey, and I think scorpions are more Mallory, and Woody or uh, Mickey's character is kind of fucking things up and he fucks things up by killing the American Indian. And that's why they get attacked. They're getting attacked by rattlesnakes, which, you know, represent like his demons more, I think. And so I like all of that. I like the way it goes. And I like, cause he's also freed by a rattlesnake in a way, right? Like the tornado comes from the, in the prison. <laughs> and that was like, so ridiculous. That was cool. Right, the tornado, tornado, runs the tornado. Cool. What dude, more ridiculous is fucking the, the cop. Like, 
the shotgun's like pointed at his fucking knee and it blows out through his chest. I'm like, okay, that's, <laughs> you need to reshoot that, Oliver. <laughs> so dumb. Yep. Yeah, those are some good points. Uh, I'm sorry, but you were talking, but you were saying something about the tornado scene, how that was. Well, just, you know, I just, I don't know. There's like this weird connection of, you know, Rattlesnake and Woody or Mickey. I mean, I keep on calling him Woody, but, you know, there's, I like the, I like that way it kind of is. He, he is a force of nature in a way, mm-hmm. and but he also works against them. Yeah. And he talks about that in his speech at the end, like, you know, murder is natural yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Wolf doesn't know it's a wolf. We got to talk about Woody. I mean, he's coming off basically just cheers and white doc hollywood can jump and doc hollywood <laughs> and then yeah he gets this role i remember i dude i remember the posters i'm like oh man this guy's fucking i was scared before i even saw the fucking movie like i mean he does great work with what he has to work with here i feel like if 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 he had not gotten this role we never would have gotten thomas hayden church doing the shit that he did after wings that's my take on this. <laughs> I like it. I like where your head's at. That makes sense. You guys know that Woody Harrelson's oh. dad was a hitman? Yes. I did. I learned that somewhat more recently because he was in that terrible film, The Man from Toronto. Oh, so, oh I didn't awful. catch that. Fucking terrible. It terrible. Yeah, it was it looked terrible. Too, looked too bad. It looked like Netflix trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't mentioned you know, Tom Sizemore's in this movie as Skagnetti. <sighs> Skagnetti. Fuck. No, I hear he's a motherfucker. Yeah, so... I was shocked when he actually killed that woman in the hotel again as a first time viewer. I'm like, oh, oh wow, yeah. he really kills her. He kept saying, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding while he's choking her. It's fucked up. Nice. So but it's re- really good acting by, you know, Tom Sizemore is great in this movie and he's always great. He's generally been great. But I wondered if Oliver Stone or Tor- Tarantino or whoever threw this in. So Skagnetti's supposed to be this guy who's like a famous cop, right? And it reminds me <laughs> of the guy who was. Uh, in Zodiac, who was you know Clint Eastwood, kind yeah, of portrayed him. And, oh, they did reference yeah. this in the movie because his Skagnetti is a different name. Oh, okay, so yeah. I missed that part. Yeah. I, um, I think they do, don't they? I feel like they reference that character or that cop specifically. I know they reference Serpico. Mm. Yeah, that's right, they do. So, and then that me- leads me to Tommy Lee Jones oh, as dude. the warden, who's dude. playing bozo characters for two straight years with this, and you know, playing Two Face. He just wanted to see if he could out Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey by facing him face to face, tell him to fuck off because he hated him. So dude. over the top oh, and so God. old in this. How fucking old is this man? <laughs> He's like eighty-two, I think. Now. Oh, okay, I, I, <laughs> He's always I been old. It. I savored it. Like there. It, I mean, you're right, man. He does, because he kind of did this kind of thing with Under Siege, and then he took it to a new level yes. with Batman Forever. Yeah. I think he hits the right note perfectly here, that balance. Perfect. It's so, like, kabuki and bizarre and fucking weird and hilarious and heightened. He's He hasn't acted yeah, like this since. He's yeah. out of control. What's the line that I love? Uh, we got a riot in the rec room in the Bay Wing. Ridiculous. <laughs> His... His reaction when he hears that Skagnetti's dead is just meh. <laughs> Loved it. Maybe the funniest part of the whole Loved movie. Loved it. But when you go back to that script, um, he's not written like that. Like, like uh, Oliver Stone and, and, and Friends, I'll say, took a lot of these kind of uh, tertiary <laughs> benign characters and amped up the chaos in all of them. With McCluskey, I think it works because he's the overseer. I mean, he's the court jester here. Skagnetti, I think that's just one weirdo too much. Like none of his stuff works for me. I'm just like, what? what oh, we got oh, really? the cop. This is fucking dumb. 
Well, I, I liked him because he makes perfect sense as a foil to Mickey because he's he's a cop to chase fame. He, he's like he's killing because he wants to mm. be on TV or he well, he's you know, do, he's stopping killers because he wants to be on TV and he's yep. exploiting his own childhood trauma is like, you know, you know, that's the introduction yeah. to Skagnetti on Skagnetti. You know what I mean? Yeah. He mixes in the Charles Whitman, the bell tower murderer is killed his mom and he yeah. takes off from there. That's right. I I like that. It's a cop who's a scumbag, too. So it shows that like it's just scumbags everywhere on all sides. And even more today, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I don't know if yeah. not every cop's a murderer, obviously, <laughs> but uh Tommy Lee Jones over the top Hilarious. is Two Face. I can't stand it, but he's really good. In the, you're right. I can't let that interfere with this movie. He does. I love his sideburns. I love his whole awesome. look, and I love his accent. It's real good. I got to give him full credit. And then I wish I had known uh, when I had seen Mr. Robert Downey Jr. do uh, oh the Doolittle movie. I did, and Tropic Thunder. I didn't know that this is where the Australian accent thing started with him. So as Wayne Gale, the basically the Geraldo Rivera of his maniacs. time. Yep. Yeah, or, <laughs> America's what, Most uh, Wanted. Hard what was, copy. Yeah, what, what was that dude? John what Walsh. From, yeah, John, John Walsh, Walsh. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, yeah. Matt yeah. Walsh. Very different person. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Wayne um, Gale, man. He he definitely makes. Yeah, he fits right into this whole era as well. You know, the Rescue Nine One One TV host or whatever the fuck. And <laughs> <laughs> he start. I love when he starts murdering people in the riot. And yeah, I. That's what's really cool about this movie is that there's this, you're not locked into the tropes of these characters. Like they get away with it at the end and like it ends as like this, this is the most fucked up romance ever. I get it. But there's a lot of stuff that doesn't fall into the line that Tommy Lee Jones, he gets to come up as he dies. And you, I'm like, I'm not feeling bad for that guy. He's a scumbag too. <laughs> Scumbags everywhere. <laughs> Did you see the version with his head on the pike? No. I, I, this time I didn't, I didn't watch oh. it. Is that the director's cut? Cause I understand Dennis Leary is in that. Couple other films. Um, oh. I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. I mean, the version I watched for our show was on Max, Sounds and it was awesome. like 153 yeah. minutes, I think, or 158 no minutes. Shit. And then the the other version, if I wanted to pay for it from Amazon, had five more minutes. And I think that's the version that I've seen. I know it includes McCluskey's head on a oh, pike. Cool. It includes um, during the riot scene, you see live living men being pushed into ovens and some other stuff that's pretty hardcore. But I, I saw um, one guy get pushed into an oven. That's the one that, I saw. Okay, but maybe, I didn't see maybe, head on a bike, Jesus. or maybe I missed head on a bike because mine was all, two know, hours and four minutes. Then that's the one you watch. Yeah, then you watch the extended cut or whatever it is that that would have had that. But yeah, it's not like a long shot of McCluskey's head. Were you guys like, was the did the violence bother either of you? Because like the blood and the violence to me, I just I don't even think about it. I got to be honest, I don't. I, I'm a born and raised in the United States, man. It's just yeah, all right. It's no. a bit graphic, but yeah, whatever. I remember watching this at Andrew Johnson's house, our friend Andrew Johnson's house, like his birthday party in like 94, 95. And one girl had to like leave. She had to go to his bedroom because she couldn't be in the same room that this was on because she was having a panic attack from it. You know, it was just too much for her. And I was like, oh, what the, what's what's wrong with her? Like I've seen this movie like 50 million times. And then I watched it last night. And yeah, honestly, the only st the only part that really like the, the hostage girl in the corner that's pretty fucked up. You know, that fucks with me. The the child, the, the sexual abuse, the child abuse, uh, you know, that, of course, fucks with me. But that stuff is it's all off screen. It's implied um, the, the actual the actual violence that I see in the movie. There's a lot of it, but I've seen a lot worse and many other films that are that do not have the reputation of this. Yep. I got to see. I was I was uh, visibly creeped out with uh, 
headless body that like tries to get up and walk over to young Nicky. <laughs> that was fucking yeah, awesome. That, that but clip, like I'm from the I'm like, talk about Quentin Tarantino. I'm from the Tarantino school of violence. I I know it's a movie, so it didn't, violence never yeah. bothers me in a movie ever. I just it's it's yeah. not real. So but exactly. But at the, well, at the same token, Mike, I I oh, do yeah. think that this. I mean, oddly enough, I think Scarfo, Scarface 1983 by far is the movie that glamorizes violence the most in any movie I've ever seen. But I do mm-hmm. think that this movie does definitely glamorize it and romanticizes it, which I think is a problem, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah, it does seem to be like that's the critique that's being made, right? And then then the movie itself feeds into being exactly what's supposedly being critiqued there's this yeah. line towards the end of the film like right before mickey kills uh wayne gale where he says it's a statement i'm not exactly sure what it means but that's right it, uh, what it's saying and that's like okay so you've just summarized your movie. <laughs> exactly I mean, exactly oliver stone is like he's nothing if not a contrarian he's basically saying like television and media is bad unless it's my shit make sure you go to the theater and buy a ticket for my <laughs> shit all right, dude. <laughs> no, I don't see it that way. I just think he's he's joining in. I, I don't think he wants it to be glorified or to be approved well, of. Thinks, I just think he wants us to put a mirror to ourselves in a way, like a lot of directors want to do. I think he's saying outright that it that uh, media is a distortion of our of our morality for sure, and yet most of his I, movies do just that. So I think he's full of shit. I think he's saying TV more than media, but what I know media is part of television. But I think he's blaming everything that you could see on a screen in 1994 for being part of this. Okay. That's why he has a Geraldo Rivera type character, which represents the media. But then the sitcom angle brings in all of television. And yeah, you got a lot of the, like I said, so many clips of old time people. Yeah, we just love clear up. Hey, there's that one where like, it's super bizarre. Hey, come over here real quick. Let's look at what's on the television. And it's like during a mass destruction of chaos and violence in the prison riot. It's like, just weird. Okay, back to the prison riot. I'm glad you brought that up because is McCluskey the worst warden in human history he's got 200 percent capacity something like 80 percent of his people are violent offenders you're gonna show them the interview you're gonna you're gonna sit them down and let them watch this shit what the what yeah doesn't make terrible writing terrible writing there's no sense there it would never terrible writing to spur forward the event of how he can get out of that so it can, it turns into a way to like have this prison run and this whole chaotic oh, yeah. episode happen. It's and I guess the, the best movie, they can do. And to have the movie end in an orgy of violence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I gotta say the creepiest scene to me was the drugstore scene where like they're dying from these snake bites, supposedly, and they need the snake juice. Like, by the way, the medicine that is whatever the fuck that is, you're at a pharmacist who's got the snake juice miracle worker thing. Whatever, but that whole green light and the whole way yeah. that's shot—it's uh, that's it's really it's really well done. I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I was really like, "Well, this is intense. This is bizarre," and I'm I'm really off my. Uh, I don't feel comfortable right now, but this is well done. I've always felt that way. Then I'm then watching it last night or the night before last. I'm you know how there's like the uh, aisle ways and there's like the the things that say you know the hanging things above the aisles that say what's in the aisles. Yeah. Did you notice that they're all like fear and you know oh, anxiety and mm. it's all this like that kind of shit. It's, it all says that kind of okay. shit. And there's one point where um when when Mickey is like cowering sort of behind the cash register area and like ready to come out sort of he's crouching next to one of those things which is just on the ground next to him where like clearly like. 
It would never be there. Why would it be on the floor? Have you ever been to a grocery store and one of those things from the aisle was just hanging out? And so it was like, okay, that seems kind of like a bad oversight, but I'm fine. And then they go outside and there's a million cops and they're all there for them. Even Scagnetti's there. I'm like, wait a minute. Did the fucking guy behind the counter alert all of like the police and Scagnetti and they all got there and three and a half minutes it didn't make any sense Wait, I mean, if he hit the button too to set off the alarm but it wasn't the hey it's mallory and mickey alarm either it's just a robbery <laughs> that's what i'm saying it was just a silent alarm and somehow everybody <laughs> knows it's them and they're all, and there's a million it doesn't make any sense you're right <laughs> okay uh i had another point about oh, the love story so they really make this a point in the film that it is a love story. Even if you don't want to focus in on it, they keep shoving it back in my face. Of course. And I don't care at all. I could care less that their love is special, even though they kill people. I don't even know what I'm supposed to take well, out of the whole meaning dude, of Mike, that part of it. you got to sell those Cowboy Junkies albums. Come on. That was huge. <laughs> yes, yeah, you do. That's true. You do. You're right. The soundtrack was... We should mention that. I realize that now. Yeah, the Sweet Jane cover by the Junkies. This soundtrack was a big deal in 94. That's what I'm saying. I knew the soundtrack a lot more than I knew the movie. Yeah, I don't yeah, care about the love story. I mean, and I even think it's a little bit... <sighs> this kind of worked with Badlands, which took the Starkweather and Fugit story. Uh, did it much better than this, in my opinion. But, like, the whole uh, victimization of Mallory... I don't know how how well that's handled. Uh, you got to have her be attracted to the abuser. It's a little bit simplistic to me, so that never really worked. I actually, so when she is angry that he's going to quote unquote cheat on her by raping someone, and she leaves and goes to the gas station, and she's with that dude, she's having these, you know, she's having. PTSD flashes, right? Because she's trying to have intercourse with someone and she's been thinking of her father and she's thinking of Mickey. So I actually do think that uh, it's clum maybe a little clumsily, but I do think there's trying to be a nod to that, that, uh, that she is just continuing that abuse. Yeah, you get that mystic vision of Dangerfield a few times at the beginning creepy. and then in the middle and then it never comes back, but it is creepy. Oh, big, until big the rubber, end, like all Hydra. of them. Big yeah. rubber Hydra in the smoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> Leonard Cohen crooning. <laughs> Good God! I don't know. Do you? Uh, do you? Well, you said you took an all-time amount of notes. Yeah. Oh, oh dude, that? I've got a million notes here. Love story Give me doesn't some work more notes. for me. Come on. Robert Richardson's cinematography is out of control. Like, how do you shoot this? Like, he fucking said this was a nightmare, worst experience <laughs> of his entire life, and yet he shoots three thousand, literally three thousand scenes. Like, this had to be insane. Wow. But every wow. shot looks fucking awesome. If you took a still of every single one of these 3,000 cuts, they're gorgeous, regardless of the content. Yeah. Um, you get some repeats with the animated stuff. Lots of lots of <laughs> liquid running down the hallway Mickey. and turning around. <laughs> yeah, liquid television stuff. Oh, he's running down the ha hallway and turning around again. Yeah. There he is. Mm -hmm. like the Don't forget the Coca-Cola bears. Oh, those goddamn polar yeah. bears. Fucking funny. Did you read into this? When they show up. Yeah. Coke was fucking so pissed. They're like, what do we yep. got here? Uh, oh, uh, the new Woody Harrelson film? Yeah, put all of our commercials in it. And they fucking see it, and they're out of their minds. That, that's, that's how they got. They, they gave the rights without reading the script or Yeah, anything? yeah, yep. They had oh no clue God. what it was about. It's called Natural Born Killers, mind you. But they're like, oh, yeah, put our cute polar bears in there. We don't mind. That is so funny. It's 
used perfectly. Yeah. I mean, he, he yes. really took yeah. good advantage of that. I forgot about those things. Those things were all over the place, and everybody had, yeah, that must have made them a ton of money, those polar bears. They're very cute, I must say, still, but sure. not uh, bad. they don't drink Coke in real life. So at sorry to break not, it to you guys. At least they're not wiping their ass and, like, complaining about toilet paper getting all stuck up in it. <laughs> yeah. Starman bears. Yeah. Oh, bears, yeah. I mean, yeah, that fur yeah. gets shit caught up in it. It's tough. <laughs> you know? I don't want to hear about it. No. Look at the Aurora Borealis and enjoy a nice soda. Sure. So, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> imply yeah. those leaves in the tissue and what they do, what they're capable of. <laughs> so Oliver Stone said that he always maintained this film as a satire on how serial killers are adored by the media for their awful actions. And those who claim that violence in the movie itself is a cause of societal violence have missed the point entirely. I mean, of course he's going to say that. <laughs> yeah. He says that Trina. in 94, and like, it always reminds me of A Clockwork Orange, because like, literally, Britain pulled that film out of theaters they just yanked it out of theaters and you couldn't see it anymore in britain after like two weeks yeah. into the release and kubrick was down for it he's like yeah go ahead and pull it he, he like saw all of the points i'm no fan of censorship but like when it did incite violence in britain that film clockwork orange and kubrick was down he he gave it up to them and for stone to just sit back and be like oh this has got nothing to do with anything and that, literally people did go out a couple of people did go out and kill some people after watching this movie and there was a huge lawsuit oh, really? that ended up getting oh appealed. yeah grisham was on board he was attached to it and oh. that ended up getting thrown out but i mean the case has been made in the supreme court and it's been tossed out that movies are entertainment and they are not responsible for inciting violence yeah i thought litigiously. about I admit I thought about uh towards the end of the film I thought about like Columbine would be five years later and and I just thought about it for a second I'm like well you know if you saw this and this influenced somebody I guess it's possible but I mean just the day-to-day -day violence that exists just by watching the news or just seeing it on basic cable or basic television over rabbit ears back in the 80s or even the 70s it's just all over the place so whatever this this is no more than anything else it's not hmm. okay also, Trent Reznor uh, produced the soundtrack. We should mention that. Oh, that's that's where we get something I can never have twice. Yeah, I okay. felt like the, I heard a lot of used well. It's used well. Yeah, it was. I, I completely agree. I thought I heard that in there. Yeah. Uh, any any other notes from your massive notes, Eric? Nah. I mean, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I did write like as soon as it opens and like the big Warner Brothers logo comes up. I I did have to laugh. I mean, this is such a weird time for movies when. Warner Brothers would release this, like all the shit that's in this, and you got this major studio that would release this, and then at the, like the, the, that probably that very weekend they'd probably release like fucking like Lord knows what Gummy Bears movie or whatever the fuck. It's just <laughs> little interesting giants. the way things yeah. were yeah back then. But yeah, I'm ready to wrap it up. Uh, oh, Mark Harmon does the dramatized version of Woody Harrelson, and I was like, oh, it's Mark oh, fucking Harmon blowing people away. This is hilarious. That half a second of where it's like a Polaroid freeze frame. And it's just, why? <laughs> but okay, it looks awesome. It's <laughs> exactly Mark Harmon would be the person used to like, he's not Woody Harrelson. It was perfect to me in the. That, that part of the movie is so weird too, because we're watching a TV show within the movie, but then it becomes the movie. Yeah. Because like the cop is like really chasing him and like, mm -hmm. you know, motherfucker and all this shit. And you're like, okay, this is like now it's so up its own ass, but it, it works. Yeah, I he blows away the bronze. Started, I think they should have started the movie with that episode of American Maniacs 
Because I kind of mm. sat up in my chair once that started, because I was kind of drifting off a little bit like you were, Michael. But I think it really picks up when it starts to do that. Yeah, I start to yeah. drift off after the mushrooms. So. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is real anymore because you got so many flashes of bullshit from Oliver Stone, the director, and then they're taking mushrooms. So is that a license to be even more ridiculous? But it wouldn't matter because he was already being super hallucinogenic for the first 25 minutes of the movie. It's pointless. It had, yeah, it had no impact on the style of the film whatsoever. I couldn't notice it. Except for like one point, Woody throws up and his face goes... And that's <laughs> yeah, about it. his and Wayne Gale. <laughs> that happens twice in the movies. Right before Wayne Gale dies, his face does. Yeah. Or actually while he's being shot to death. Violently, yeah. so. Yeah. What's the cocaine right, budget on this film? <laughs> Ooh, mama, 1994. Oliver Stone. RDJ, Ollie Stone. Woody Harrelson. I mean, Tom you know, Sizemore. I know he's known for weed, but I'm sure Woody would oh, have some fun. He loves yeah, the party. Someone, someone did drugs on set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we wait? Well, I just want to mention this because I don't feel like we talked about it enough. What about Juliette Lewis in this movie? Do we? Are we? Because we didn't really bring it up. Does that say something about that or? No, I mean, I think that this was definitely uh, it came at a good point in her career. I think that she was maybe flagging a little bit and then they kind of helped her bounce back. So I think it helped her the way it helped Woody. I think that she is. I, it's hard to imagine anyone else in either of these roles. I think that she was pretty dead on as Mallory. I think that she got that character and sold it throughout. But it's. I think she has also a little outshined by by Woody myself. Yeah, I mean, at this point, she had already kind of done like the vulnerable weirdo girl like three times: California, Gilbert Grape, Beer, and Gilbert Grape. So it's kind of an obvious choice. Yeah, that's true. I don't think everybody wanted. Woody to, wasn't. Maybe I don't know this. Yeah, Woody wasn't. But maybe not everybody was dying to play this role either. Or maybe they were. But it seems like it. Like, well, Juliet Lewis is down, and we want somebody who, I mean, <laughs> Juliet Lewis, I mean, she's not like a not attractive woman. She's a finely oh, yeah. attractive woman, but they're mm -hmm. looking for somebody here who's got an edge and is mm -hmm. uh, gritty mm -hmm. in a way, I guess, where you're like, okay, my, my shit's been fucked up. I've been totally exploited and abused. It's awful, and now I'm pissed. And she also, I, I say, uh, she knew how to handle a gun, and I found that to be believable that, you know, she would kick. The only thing I didn't find to be believable was her literally kicking ass, like doing all this borderline kung fu shit. That's where yeah, I'm like, okay, she, well. 90 pounds? I mean, yeah, what, I mean, come on now. I mean, it's not about men versus women. It's just about a reality of a very small person. That's why we have weight divisions in, like, boxing and shit. You wouldn't have a 135-pound guy versus a 210-pound guy. That's why there's weight classes, so. I just do like it. the way she just goes for it with that guy that just beats him to death with her bare hands. Sure does. No <laughs> Oliver, Oliver Stone did send her to six weeks of kickboxing training, so maybe it was she just okay. had the right moves and it, it worked out. Yeah, that is true. I mean, if you're trained right, I mean, I don't, I don't know shit, shit about martial arts and whatnot, but it, you can <laughs> be pretty effective as a smaller person. I still think Something that tornado was stupid. About. That was the dumbest tornado I've ever seen in a movie. That was oh, fun. I love that shot when it finally goes yeah, to color awesome. and it's all far back. It's why would these guys be ringing horns? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, it's stupid. They're prisoners. Why are they wrangling horses? It's fucking dumb. Whatever. <laughs> That's what really bothers me. The whole thing bothers me, that whole scene. Yep. No cuffs, just a couple shotguns and exactly. Like, no Every time he's got to go, Mickey's got to get moving. We we'll make sure we don't have cuffs on him, and there's an easy way for him to get out. So a tornado or a riot—that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah. So. Also, sit back and let a mass murderer crack a long ass joke. 
Like while you laugh, you're <laughs> laugh at it. I know. What was that? It's fucking dumb. It's so stupid. Dude, that great is use so of bo- dumb. Great use of bomb track though. When that yeah. kicks in, when you start shooting everybody. It's awesome. Oh, I yeah. thought of that because I'm like, oh my god, Rage Against the Machine in a movie outside of the you mm-hmm. know Godzilla, which was part of the soundtrack. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that was trash. But that was cool. I was like, oh okay, yeah, all right. But yeah, that was dumb. This guy's a fucking all-time murderer who's having a live interview after the Super Bowl. That's how big a murderer this guy is. And it's yeah. just, oh, yuck, yucks. <laughs> well, he's, but they're all charmed by him. They're, he's, he's, a, he's a star. He is a star. But these guys are fucking guards. They, they're sadistic yeah. fucks themselves. No, 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 they're no, not no. happy-go-lucky, by the way. If you're a prison guard, you're an asshole. Sorry, most of the time you are, because that job sucks. I hope to never find out. You know, Your job is literally to be in prison. I've never understood that. Why would you want to be a guy? You, you, you have to go to prison every day. I got to punch in at prison. Who would so do that? Desperate. So desperate it is Ooh, out there, God. man. This It's a fucked up place. All right. From, uh, from, let's get to the endings. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah. wrap uh, it up. You got your final thoughts there, Eric? <laughs> Even still after this uh, most recent viewing, I still find the movie, more than anything, uh, frustrating. Because um, there's a lot of stuff I like, even love, and then there's a lot of stuff I'm just like, God, that's so fucking dumb. Why this choice? <laughs> so I spend a lot of the two hours frustrated. I still get a little irritated, and I do think a lot of it is uninteresting. I think a lot of the secondary characters kind of dilute Mickey and Mallory, who I think they should have focused a little bit more on. When you have everyone being a chaotic weirdo, it kind of makes them less interesting. I think that was not the best idea. Uh, but yet there's there's just there's so much energy in this movie that I don't see in films nowadays uh, that I don't think we'll see again for a while. Um, and it'd be easy for me to say that it holds up just as kind of like a res- retrospective piece for 90s cinema. And perhaps it is kind of a museum piece, but, you know, it does it does have something to say. Uh, it's a little bit trite, cliche, but it is a message uh, and one that gave me a shitload of notes, has us talking, and I could keep going. So, um, yeah, I, I think the film holds up. It is fun, but it's got its issues. Mm. Okay. Uh, you want to go? You want me? I'll go next. I never saw it before. And... Tell you, it's quite an experience. But yet, like I said, I actually got bored. I really got bored about forty minutes in, right around where he accidentally kills a Native American. I'm like, oh, it like woke me up out of a stupor, even though I was really paying attention. <laughs> but then I was really sucked in again once Tommy Lee Jones shows up. He really was. Gosh. I really did enjoy his character. I can't stand him as Two Face, and I think he's an egomaniacal asshole in real life, from what I gather. A real dick. Uh, but that should not affect the final analysis of Natural Born Killers. That's not really appropriate. Sorry, Tommy Lee. I apologize to you. Um, there's a message here. And 20, 30 years later almost. God, 29 years later. Uh, I, I just, it's still pretty, it's relevant, but is it, it's not... F- I don't know. It's a real tough one because it's like kind of fun, but then it's not fun. But then it's like some sick ass shit is going on. This movie, I actually think it, now that I'm trying to talk this out, it does encapsulate what it's really like to kind of live the, I don't know, the typical suburban lifestyle of someone who grew up or really any lifestyle. Anybody who is 
abused or anybody who wasn't abused, who kind of viewed it. You either, you were in the shit and it was awful and your life may have really suffered for it, or you may have overcome it, or you may have just kind of viewed it from afar in other people's lives or friends or family members, but you never knew anything about it directly. And you're like, oh yeah, that sucks. Anyways, where's McDonald's? They like, in a way it kind of like puts all that together in this movie in a bizarre ass way. It's so bizarre. <laughs> I can't stand a lot of the bullshit here. And I love Oliver Stone, but the bullshit is just at an all-time high. It's an all-time high. <laughs> I'm not excited to watch the movie again. In fact, I'd only like to like watch segments of the film. Like I'd like to maybe watch the last 45 minutes to an hour of it. Uh, the first hour, outside of the sitcom part, which was really well done, I thought... All right, fine. It, it barely holds up. It's not. It's tight. It's real tight. I don't feel great about it, and I'm not excited to watch it again. As a first-time viewer, it's not like I'm fired up to watch it again. So we'll leave it at that. I, I think you summed it up pretty well. <laughs> Repetition works, David. Repetition <laughs> works, David. Uh, that is a line I've used many, many times in my life. Where, like, usually because no reason by myself, no one can hear me say it. That kind of thing. There's a lot of lines from this movie that are, have stuck with me, so I have a lot of nostalgia for the film. It did kind of wear me out a little bit the other night, you know. Um, and I was definitely like, "What the fuck are you trying to say?" And yeah. you know, why do you throw a pillow so lightly when you're about to do what you're about to do here, Mickey? That's a, that was a, a gentle lob at best. Um, anyways. It, uh, I'm going to say it barely holds up as well. I don't think that it needs to be watched over and over and over again. But if it's been 25 years or whatever since you've given it a watch, it's certainly worth revisiting. And it will not be as good probably as you remember. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth revisiting. So that's where I stand on it. All right. Well, there you go. That's Natural Born Killers. What a ride. What a... What a treat. Thanks for bringing that to the table. What a hoot, sure. yeah. Real hoedown, hoot nanny. Uh, that was interesting. I love seeing movies I've never seen for the first time. I still don't know why I never saw it, but I didn't. Anyways. It's funny. Yeah, it's just weird. It's bizarre what we... Kindergarten cop, natural born killers, these movies escape <laughs> us sometimes. You know? It happens. It does. <laughs> it happens, all right. Well, don't forget, cinemanipod at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of us. That's how you can contact us. Or you could really, you know... You could contact us through your personal social media. For next week, um, it's my turn. And mm -hmm. based on what I've been looking at here, you know, we've we've done a lot of '90s lately. We really have. Mm. You know, haven't we? Did the player? We did Natural Born Killers. We did uh, the other one for that. Yeah, that was '80s. Lean on me. Oh, '89, right on the cusp. So we're in that. We we were a lot in that late '80s, early '90s period. So maybe it's time to get out of there. And as I look at the list, there's a, there's a lot of ways to go with this, but I think what we're going to do is I want to do a movie I've never seen again. So hmm. we're going to end up staying in the era. I didn't mean for it to happen, but it works out. <laughs> we're going to be in 1993. We'll go back one year oh, wow. and we will take on controversial film that I've heard a lot about when I was a kid, but never saw it. <laughs> The Crying Game by Neil Jordan. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> awesome. Crying Game. Never saw it. Kill your own kind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stephen Ray. Woohoo. The Crying Game. Yeah. <laughs> Been a while. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But I'll I, next week, too. <laughs> I just. 
you know, everybody like talked about the dick and it was mm -hmm. exploited. Mm -hmm. I know that now. I already know that. I know that it was a kid, but I never saw oh, the dick. movie. So I want to see the movie and like, who cares about that part? So, good call. Decided to revisit it. All right, cool. You guys are both seeing this though. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, well, till then, this is Cinema Nine Podcast. It's Travis and Eric and Mike. We bid you adieu. Godspeed. Oh, bad, bad, bad. This movie's bad, bad, bad.